It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time No, 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 no. We are not starting with that music. Give me that tape. All right, find the right one, put it in. Okay, press play. There we go. Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats. Joining me is Red Nightmare, as always. One final push? Yep. <laughs> One last time, and of course, it is time for Peacekeeper Wars Part 3. Yes. Of 3. So this is it. Everybody, this is it. <laughs> this is the last one. Nothing more after this. <laughs> And uh, we, I know that Peacekeeper Wars is only in two parts on the DVDs, but we've split it up this way because it's easier for us. It keeps us sane, really. Yeah. It keeps us sane. <laughs> well, as sane as we ever were, let's put it that that's way. A f- yes, yes, <laughs> yes, that's It maintains fair. our level of sanity. Yes. How about that? <laughs> I can live with that one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else for us to do at the moment other than get into it, but mm-hmm. I suppose we should give you a quick recap of what's been going on because well we started with john and aaron getting put back together the gang getting back together finding out that the scarron and peacekeeper war has begun scorpy defecting going after john to get him because of the wormhole knowledge it's always the wormhole knowledge yeah they go to uh on the water planet where they were they find out that there are eidolons there so they go to our nesk to get the old eidolons to help the new eidolons learn how to inspire peace except then the scarons turn up and nuke them so that doesn't work aside from one yeah and then that's almost working like they get captured and he's almost inspiring peace then he gets killed and then there was gas, and then they escaped with the help of Dargo and Jothy and a bunch of Luxons. And they stuck the knowledge of that one Eidolon into Stark's head. And then they basically made for Kujaga the water planet to get Stark to give that knowledge to the rest of the Eidolons. And that's basically where we left off last episode. I mean, I don't know why it's taken us so long to... to, to talk about that because that was it could have easily whatever we've been wasting these last (laughs) two episodes on i know right no that's as you as you are probably very well aware that is an extreme tldr of what happened oh yeah (laughs) also john and aaron keep trying to get married and it keeps getting interrupted (laughs) oh and at this point now aaron is actually pregnant again yep and you know visibly pregnant and from what she said is going to be giving birth soon and where we left off last time was Aaron talking about how she could not understand why women would choose to do this more than once. And that three was a scary number. Yeah, because John says, oh, they say three is a magic number. <laughs> and yeah, so we are back on Kujaga. And as we said last time, they were looking for survivors. And there's a few Eidolons left, but most of them have all been killed. Mm-hmm. Stark is the most important person right now because he has the knowledge uh, from Yondalao in his head. Jothy is there with his commandos. Stark is MVP. Yep, Stark is... M- well, no. Most no, no, valuable no. person. Stark is... Well, true. Stark is the payload we have to deliver. Oh, yes. To, to, Everybody um, jump on Stark. Damn it. Nobody's ever on the payload. Uh, so, but what they found is that Braca and a few peacekeepers are holed up in the temple with a few surviving Eidolons. And that's where everybody is headed because that's... You know, get Stark to the Eidolons, hole up, maybe shoot their way out. 
something mm-hmm. like that. And that's where we're going to pick it up. And so actually what happens is Jothy leaves to go find the rest of his men and the rest of the crew, uh, which is, it's everybody, you know, it's Aaron, John, Dargo, Chiana, Stark, Rigel, Scorpi, Sokozu. San. Wait, no. <laughs> no, unfortunately Zan's not here. Mm. She's the one person that's been missing from this entire thing, which mm. is a shame because it would have been nice to have her back. But unfortunately, and she doesn't show up during the rest of this episode. So, yeah, would have been nice, but we must press on with what we have. Exactly. And there's a bunch of Luxon commandos who are going with them to go uh, find Baraka and the survivors. I think Jothi does give one of his men to the group. It's like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, you, yeah. go with them. And so then we cut up to uh, the Decimator, the Scaran mothership, basically. Mm-hmm. And Starleek is saying to Arkner, like, why can we not just immolate this city? I want every Eidolon eliminated. Just nuke the city, like we did with the temple. <laughs> Turns out that little scuffle they had with the Luxons took out that weapon for now. Yeah, so. they, they can't do that. They have to do a ground assault. And so he turns around on her, and he actually pushes Akna down into the throne. He says, that chair becomes you. You can see Akna for a moment actually relishing in that, and then realize, yeah. catching herself, and is like, what are you talking about? And so Starleek says that their report uh, that they received on arrival suggests Crichton and, Leviath- and the Leviathan died in the ocean, uh, but asks, do you agree? And Akna says, well, I believe it when I have his head on a spike. He's like, okay. I mean, after everything that John has survived, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Starleek says, once the peacekeepers are defeated, he intends to oversee the large galactic governance issues. Mm -hmm. And bring me Crichton's head, all the differences between us will be resolved, paving the way for you to assume my position, Empress Arkner. As this is going on, the only thing I can think of... Why do you still trust her? She is incredibly incompetent. So I have a theory about this. Okay. This is somewhat, not to get too real, this is somewhat born out of uh, the recent British political landscape over the past year or so. And nobody wants, <laughs> I don't think he wants to be in the position of emperor after they win the war because there's a lot of stuff to deal with. Ah. Uh... So and, and he's going to go larger galactic governance issues, as in get away from the you know mopping up the resistance and so on, mm-hmm. and like you know take a back seat so that he's less in danger because the emperor is like a big target. That is entirely fair. I mean, he he will be governing even above the level of emperor. Yeah, I I I feel like it's a little bit like I don't actually want to be in this seat once the war is over. <laughs> I could see that, but that that's my head can. That's not. The only thing that gives me a little bit of confidence in that is that uh, Arkner initially is like, oh, you know, smiling. And then Starleek walks away and she gets a look on her face like, oh, crap, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you don't want to be the figurehead who has to, you know, rebuild everything afterwards. And all the pressure is on you while Starleek takes a back seat, Mm -hmm. you know, in the civil service, basically. Suddenly you have to do things as an Mm -hmm. empress. So, anyway, uh, we then cut back down to Kujaga, and the crew are walking through the streets and the courtyards, and they're completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. Like, there are statues and masonry lying on the ground. It's dark. There are things on fire. Like, the set dressing, like, is really good and looks like it's a completely ruined city now. I love the detail that they, that part of the ruins is a prowler that's clearly crashed into the buildings, like, lying there. It's really good. A tiny little detail that's, uh, I think, is fun to note is that, but a little bit back when the group split up, 
Dargo and Jothy had a moment where they're like, hey, don't try to get too, shut up too much. And he, yeah, Jothy says, I was thinking the same thing about you, old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they yeah. go separate It's like ways. a little bit, it's like, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And so they're walking through the ruins, and uh, Rigel actually floats along behind them and says to Aaron, it's like, I want you to name the baby Rigel. No, Rigel, why? 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 Rigel, have you seen the last four seasons? <laughs> why would they ever name their child Rigel? But of course Rigel would say, oh, name it after me. I'm very important. And Aaron says, well, maybe if it's a girl. And <laughs> Rigel's like, hmm. Because she knows that will upset Rigel. I was going to say, why... Why would you ever do that to a child? Yeah. And so eventually they come to uh, like a bridge or balcony overlooking the rest of the city. And it's it's nighttime mm-hmm. at this point. It's dusk. You, know, you can see like more things on fire and more destruction. And they're looking around and saying like, okay, this is our meetup point because it's a good place for Moya to come pick us up with the docking web. Yeah, if shit hits the fan, meet back up here. And so then they go off to try and find the survivors. More burning streets, more rubble, more destruction. Rigel actually says, like, I dread my cities looking like this. Mm. I found that nice little line in there, the Tyneria into this war. Yeah, because previously we heard, you know, the war is affecting Hyneria, and Mm -hmm. that's why... uh, they want him to come back to unite underneath the true ruler. <laughs> but as they're walking along, they find somebody uh, hiding oh. in the rubble. Anyone in particular, Hats? It's our favorite uh, wheeler and dealer, Grunchlick, <laughs> who pops out. It's like, oh, hello. Oh, it found me here. And then they're like, no, put your guns on him. He's a traitor. Yeah, he's a spy. He's like, have you signaled anybody else? Look, my dealings with the Scarons are purely... I can't remember what he says, but I think financial. it's Financial. Financial. Yeah. So they pay you to spy on us, is what you're saying, well, like, I'm not hearing a no. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, he does actually... No, that's not true. Yeah. He does say, it's like, I'm not a spy. I just do business with them sometimes. And And... Scorpius grabs him and sticks his thumb in a wound in his back. And it's like, well, that that is from Scarum Weapons Fire. And Chiana pipes up and is like, so what? We do that trick all the time. <laughs> you shoot each other? What kind of family are you? And yeah, but he keeps saying, I've been trying to get away. And they're arguing about it and Dargo's right. Okay, either we kill him or we take him with us. They don't kill him. Yeah, John just says, okay, we take him with us. Come on. I think because they could use more bodies even, you know, to shoot. Or just a piece of moving cover. Yeah. <laughs> and so they start taking him with them. And then a bunch of charids and scarons, they hear them coming. Mm-hmm. And so they take cover and hide because they can't take them on right now. And so they, they patrol by and they're like, okay, we we got to be quiet. We can't kill them. Okay, stay here. Move to the temple. They could take them, but as Dargo points out, the pulse fire will draw in like a hundred Scarens. Yeah, and they don't want that. Nope. So yeah, they hide and then head to the temple. And as they get closer to the temple, Scorpy comes Brock and it's like, are you there? It's like, yes, sir. Uh, there's movement outside the temple. <laughs> like, That's us, Braka. Calm the hell down, Braka. Calm the hell down. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good. We'll, we'll let you in. <laughs> and I like that John, as he walks in, is like, Oh, looks like Kiss was your opening act. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, actually, the setup for that is like, Braca says, like, oh, you're the reinforcements. And John's like, <laughs> oh, right. No, we're the band. Looks like Kiss was our opening act. And Dargo has a great line where he comes in because he sees all the destruction and mm-hmm. is like, nah, I'm in the wrong band. <laughs> <laughs> 
I missed that. Oh, I've seen this several so times and I missed that. It's so good. And so, yeah, they, they've basically found an area they can kind of fortify, but it is very badly damaged. Mm. And the Diagnosin is in there. And also, so are the other Eidolons. A few Eidolons are left. Like half a dozen. And two Eidolons that are armed. Yeah. And uh, Braka gives a report, and Scorpius gets one of the Peacekeeper soldiers to keep an eye on Grunchlick. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to Arkner and some troops, uh, some Scarin and Charid troops patrolling the streets. And uh, she reports to Sadiq, it's like, my spy is trapped in one of the city's largest uh, edifices with Crichton. I like, by the way, how they cut this, because they push Grunchlick away. It's like, get the spy out of my face. And Grunchlick responds, I'm not a spy. Cut to Akna saying, my spy is in the temple. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, saying that they are holed up with Crichton. Oh, Crichton's alive. Yeah, no, no, Grunchlick, no, you, you the spy. You this <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's as far as we know. He's, he's pulled this stunt before. He's worked with the Scarens. Mm. He, ha- he had a Scaren popsicle in his base. That's true. So uh, then we go, then we see uh, Stark going to the Eidolons. Uh, Muoma is actually the name of the High Priestess, we now find out. He says, mm-hmm. oh, there she is. And, uh, you know, he says, I have the knowledge inside me. And, or how many of you are there? And there's very few of them here. Mm-hmm. There's not enough, basically. No, they they just don't have the numbers. But can, can I give this to you? Can, and can you teach the others? Well, I have to meditate on this. So they're not ready to do that quite yet. Why does everybody need to meditate? Like, I don't know if I can come with you. I need to meditate on that. Can, can I give you this knowledge? I don't know. I need to meditate on that. Do yeah. you want Do you want chocolate or vanilla uh, ice cream? I don't know. I need to meditate on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> while they're meditating... Uh, Scorpy says they need a plan because they can't, you know, they, they've got very few munitions and not many resources. And it's like, what about reinforcements? And Braca says to them, it's like, well, I asked for reinforcements, didn't get any. Grazer is focusing on other issues now that the Grand Chancellor is dead. And they're all like, the Grazer? Hang on, what? It's like, oh, god damn it. And that's like, yeah, Grazer's in charge. Like, ah, crap. <laughs> and Aaron's like, I say we keep operational silence. And fortify our defenses. And yeah, not tell Grace or anything. Also, quick note, um, Braca... I, <laughs> I just like the way Braca is dressed because like, he's, you know, obviously damaged, obviously hurt from fighting. He's got mm-hmm. like some scars on his face. But also his jacket is open and he's got like a lower cut like t-shirt on. And so he's clearly doing like the, the hero like uh-huh, uh, thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, Braca, I think in Braca's own head, he's the hero of his story, you know. <laughs> I kind of want to see that that, that episode now, where, Bra- where Braca's perspective. Yeah. No, and no, no, no. Actually, I just realized why he's doing this. He's trying to draw Scorpius' eye away from Sokozu. <laughs> yes, head cannon accepted. <laughs> Low shirt? No, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those buttons were closed before Scorpius came in, trust me. <laughs> uh, they were, maybe. <laughs> Uh, so okay time to fortify our defenses and get ready and oh dear aaron's water just broke Uh oh (laughs) oh god oh it's It's baby time soon it's like oh aaron's leaking oh oh no (laughs) lovely lovely this this kid clearly is a cretin he's got the timing down (laughs) perfectly and so he calls over the diagnosin it's like uh what what's going on it's like and he's you know uh 
checking over Aaron and mm-hmm. Grunchlick is translating. <laughs> it's like, the translation's extra! Yeah, it's like, baby birthing was never part of the deal. It's like, shut up! <laughs> and the diagnosis, oh, it's a big baby. It's like, okay, big baby, that's good, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's a bad time. Aaron's like, okay, okay. F- trying to focus on the battle as well, saying like, okay, we should disassemble the weak mun- munitions, uh, put them together for more firepower, make our own shock grenades. And I love this. John's like, oh, man, arts and crafts. She's going to be a great mom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, uh, here you go, Lucy. Take this piece apart, and then yeah. Yeah, if you wire like that, you have yourself a small grenade. No, no, <laughs> nope, no, Johnny, no, no, put that down, put that down. That might blow up the entire class. <laughs> Here's how to use the potty. Here's how to wash your hands. Here's how to field strip a pulse rifle. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> this kid's going to be able to sh- to shoot a scare before he can walk. He's going to come out of the womb dual-wielding pistols. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> moving on i love that image oh god okay so so sikozu says we're like we'll be in trouble shortly they're coming and then we see like cut to arkna and her soldiers approaching and she says when you attack the peacekeeper female is to be left for me i'm just thinking about all the times we've seen peacekeepers out of uniform and seeing that there's more than enough women in there. And I'm just, I'm just imagining this moment that the battle is over and they just drag... All um, of them. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> like, no, no, just a soldier, a female a female soldier in there. It's like, ah, here she is. It's like, that's not the right one. That's not... Uh... <laughs> so, yeah. Now, okay, everybody's getting ready for the battle. Getting ready, you know, to defend. Dargo says to Crichton that Pilot says they won't be ready until dawn. Oh, oh, lovely. So we got to stick here and hold out. Mm-hmm. And Crichton walks over to Aaron, who's like sat down with a back up against uh, some stonework. And the diagnosis is checking her over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John's like, is there anything I can do? And Aaron responds, I think you've done enough. Had this been a normal salvation baby, it would have been born by now. How long is this going to take? And John just says, oh, can't take days. And Aaron's just like, I have killed men for less. <laughs> also, I'm going, days? You no, know, yeah. I know no. it happens, but it's not common. I don't know. It's probably more common than you think. Like, human labor can take a very oh, long oh, time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, I've heard stories of that, uh, 14 hours. Yeah. That's, that's not a weird period. But, like, days, and I mean, two, but... It implies more than two. Well, it's just, it's like John going for like the extreme. And it's mm-hmm. like, ah, no, maybe like dial it back a little bit. Yeah, just, just start with 14 <laughs> hours, John. Ease into it. But uh, yeah, so Grunchlick's yelling over. It's like, it wasn't part of our deal. And like, we'll be renegotiating. Actually, because he asks, like, hang on. What's what's wrong? This woman has Kachuha off her own arm. What's happening, Doc? And the diagnosis goes like, and it's like, hang on. Grunchlick, what is he saying? Well, the doc says the baby's turned round, got tangled in the cord. Very dangerous. You've got to readjust it. And the translation is extra! Yeah. <laughs> really? Grunchlick, now's the time you keep thinking about money? <laughs> of course it is for him. On the other hand, there's probably no point where he stops thinking about that. Yeah, exactly. So Crichton then goes over to Stark and the Eidolons. And he's like, right, are you ready for this? And Stark says, okay, I've prepared them as best I can. Mm-hmm. And like they they finish meditating. Like, right, we're ready to go. And Muoma 
opens her face you know the bits swing out with the extra mm-hmm. eyes inside stark uh, pulls back his mask and the purple light shines into her face and then just shoots out yeah and goes thump into her and it like closes up and then she's like the legends are true i have yonder Lao's knowledge she glows purple the ability to inspire peace and stark's uh light has gone back to its normal yellow color it's completely left him yeah he says it's gone Yandalao's knowledge has left me, and I'm like, oh, great, now we have one, again, one MVP. I was hoping yeah. to spread this out a little bit. But at least this one can inspire peace, actually, and and such. And she says she's ready to instruct others in how to do it. Yep. It's like, all right, good. Problem is, there aren't enough of them. And so Crichton gets on the comms for Jothy, but he gets Naranti instead, who's been here this whole time, of course. You that know. must have been a disappointment. I was like, hello, Crichton, I'm here. It's like, ah, crap. but she's actually with a bunch of other eidolons about a hundred of them and it's like all right we found some survivors that's good good we can work with that jothy put me in charge i'm an honorary commando oh we're doomed don't tell me he gave you a gun it's like of course he did it's not loaded though oh good oh good (laughs) thank god but Jothy's gone on reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so she's with the rest of the surviving Eidolons. And Muoma says, like, if we can get those together, that's enough. We can do something. Yeah, we can do this. So, okay. Let's do it. Sounds good. And John actually grabs Stark by the head and, like, puts their heads together. And he's like, he's actually very happy. He's like, good job, man. You did good. You did real good. You're the Johnny Appleseed of this place. Mm-hmm. And Stark's like, ah, yes, thank you. Johnny Appleseed. Oh. <laughs> yeah i like that moment where they're really like john is completely like unapologetically thanking him completely honest thank you so much and so the scarons are getting in position everybody else is getting in position and actually we have like aaron again like the baby's turned and the diagnosing is going to fix it Mm -hmm. because john says like well can you fix it it's like you know and get shot in the head by the Scarens. That's going to be a problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, Ugh! and then more and more gunfire. Mm-hmm. And the, basically the whole shootout begins with the Scarens approaching. And because they're basically, they're in a temple that it's basically like a big circular room mm-hmm. with a few different uh, heights, levels, a lot of destruction. And there's big doors at the front that have a massive hole blown in them. That's where, what they're defending. That yeah. Hole. That's basically their, that choke point that they all have to come through. And so the shooting starts. Um, Crichton calls over Chiana. It's like, Chiana, get over here. You help Aaron. The baby's head is up. It needs to be down. Can you do that? What? But I, I can't help her with that. I've, why do you think I can do that? I don't know what's... It, it, it's a gnarl. I don't know what to do with gnarls. I hate gnarls. I'm a gnarl myself. Yeah. <laughs> and John's like, you helped Moya give birth. It's like, I blew out three tears. <laughs> and Aaron's like, I, I agree. I have <laughs> like, objections as well. Look, just... <laughs> Baby's head is up, up. It needs to be down. Just don't make any structural changes. So, and then he like goes off to do some more fighting, and like Aaron like just looks at Chiana, like gives her a look of like, like all just facial acting, but like get over here and do this. <laughs> <laughs> and Chiana's like, ah. <laughs> I love the facial acting between those two. It's, like, it's so oh, good, I- yeah. Oh dear. And so there's a lot more shooting and fight, and like there's a lot of like big battle scenes in this mm. uh, part of the Peacekeeper Wars, and they're actually the action scenes are done very well, yeah. you know. I, yeah. As I always say, what I find most important about action scenes, and I need to know how the battle is laid out, and this is very clear. 
Scarrows yeah. are coming from one side. They're defending their point. Yeah, and they're coming in, so they're like you know tripping them up and shooting them and popping around corners and mm-hmm. doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Scorpius is like, we have limited options here, and Sokos is like, we could make a break for it. Some of us make it, some of us don't. But uh, pilot's not ready, says John. So like, we have to stay. Yeah, batten down the hatches. We're holding this point. And Dargo starts gives good advice. Actually, it's like aim for their muzzle fire. Yeah, that gives away where people are. And so we cut back to Aaron and Chiana. And actually, they're up against. There's like a low, the low fountain in mm-hmm. this place, similar to the one in that was on uh, Ardnesque, because it's a basically a copy of that temple. I mean, they yeah. they said it was based on that temple. Yeah, they said it did, and it's exactly the same point. I forgot. Nice. Mm. And so Aaron has got a pulse rifle, like, and she's leaning up over the fountain, shooting while Chiana is trying to manipulate the baby. Yeah. And John comes, how's it going over here? Crichton, if she fires that pulse rifle past my ear one more time, I'm quitting. And he's like, baby, okay, just let me cover you for once. And she's like, no, if I don't, we're going to decide, like, no, 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 let me take it. And she's like, and Aaron's very reluctant. She's like, shooting makes me feel better. <laughs> I love that so much. It's like, of course it does. That's Aaron. <laughs> and then she eventually she's like, all right, fine, take it. And I like how she says it a little bit breaking down, like a t- tiny bit on her yeah. just tears. Like, yeah. it helps me. It's like, shooting makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> like, just cracking a little bit. It's perfect. Mm. It's like, just give me that. Okay, fine. And then so she turns around and, like, Air- and Chiana, like, tries to, you know, mm-hmm. fix the baby. Starts like, okay, here we go. Ah! Ah! And then we cut away to uh, uh we actually have jothy on the comms to Crichton saying like we found a big a- an empty scaron transport it can take all the eidolons great okay we'll use that i also like that john asks hey how's it going out there and jothy responds well actually that which of yours is probably the da- most dangerous person out here it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, so you so you have met naranti <laughs> yep and so more fighting, more action scenes, you know, more la- pew-pew lasers. My notes basically say pew-pew lasers uh, <laughs> yeah, at this point. Yes, pew-pew lasers. At some point, the Scarons start breaking in and they have they have a sword fight. One of the Scarons who manages to get in pulls a frowling Bane move on the Luxon Commando. It just picks him up, breaks his neck over his knee. He breaks his back, yeah. Yeah, breaks just his like... back over his knee. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's a sword fight with Dargo and another guy and just about fighting them off but there's more coming mm-hmm. and so one of the scarons then comes or says to arkness like one of our transports has been taken arkness like eh we got others don't care don't worry about it focus on the battle and so the scarons and charids charge and scorpius is like okay fall back fortify chiana says to aaron that okay we've got to get like got to get you in the fountain what no it's the most exposed position in here and it's like it's cleaner and it's safer for the baby chiana knows her stuff for somebody who says that she doesn't like a gnarl she kind of does and then they're like okay okay there's more firing more shooting and then they manage to shut the doors to the temple just there's still a big hole in the middle of them but yeah they managed to basically halt the wave of scaron so they shut the door start and Dargo says like start packing stuff up there and there's a lull in the fighting and scorpius just picks up one of his soldiers who's apparently wounded is like your wounds mean nothing get back to work Yep. Oh, actually, I should mention this whole time, rather than a, a peacekeeper guarding Grunchlick, we've had Rigel sat there with a pistol at Grunchlick's head. <laughs> and occasionally just like, no, don't move. I feel that's a good position for Rigel because he's yes. not that proficient in combat, but he won't miss Grunchlick at that range. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay, then we get Aaron in the fountain and, or trying to get her in the fountain. 
And Scorpius actually, you know, he's ordering his men around. He was watching Sokozu very carefully. He looks at Sokozu as she's picking stuff up. It's like those, those, a little bit of those longing eyes. I think kinda, because he then says, "I have something for you to do. Come with me." And, and so like, they go off. It ha- it has a little bit of subtext in the, how that it, line it is does. said. Yeah, like, you're true. Really, Scorpi? Now, <laughs> now? Okay, okay. I mean, we might all die here tonight, so I guess that's fair. And Dargo actually goes over to the Luxon who was taken out, and he says, the Luxon's like coughing up blood, says, says to him, like, hey, tell the cleaver it was an honor serving under him. <laughs> and then Dargo shuts his eyes. Dargo's actually crying when that happens. Yeah, He yeah. cares. I mean, it's Dargo. He always cares. Yeah, and it's his people, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so Crichton checks in with the Eidolons and says, okay, how long until first light? And Muoma says, okay, about an arm at most. He's like, all right, okay, that's how long we got to hold out because that's when Pilot will be ready. So then Chiana yells at Crichton, it's like, get over here. It's like, we need some Razlak, we need some alcohol. We need a whole bunch of Razlak and fast. And John just scrambles, grabs a bottle, hands it to Aaron, and <laughs> Chiana just grabs it out of her hand. Takes like, a very big swing. You can see Aaron look at her. It's like, what the hell? And she's like, okay. I turn the baby around. Get her in the fountain. Should be straightforward. I'm done. I'm out. Goodbye. And she leaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's like, I'm I'm sick of this shit. I'm done. And so uh, then we go and see what Scorpi and Sokozu are up to. And they're in a dark corner at the back of the temple. Yeah, dark and corner. Yeah. yeah, they're making out in their aggressive BDSM way. Yeah, licking it, licking her face. Grabbing her head, snarling. Mm-hmm. Then he grabs her and shoves her. I've never seen a spy more resourceful. And more tenacious. And grabs and pulls a Scarron comms device from her back. Out of her back. Oh, yeah, sorry. Out of her back. He sticks his hand into her back. You can... The scream that the actress gives. Mm. Holy shit. That is, like, yeah. literally like somebody's ripping a piece out of you. Yeah, Riley Hill does a very good job yes. with that. And she says to him, how long have you known? He says, long enough for you to serve as, service my desires. But your desires no longer serve my needs. So... Okay, so Grunchlick wasn't actually the spy. Nope. <laughs> it was Sokozu all along. It's so much fun watching it again when you know this, because there's tiny little things that yeah. make a little bit more sense when you see that, because it's, it's Sokozu who's the first person on the Scaring Carrier who says they had a spy. And then it's actually Scorpius who names Grunchlick. And then uh, Starleek doesn't correct him. No. Starleek just goes... Uh, go, uh, just. Uh, they say a traitor can always snuff out another traitor. Yeah, because I'm not sure if Starlink actually knows who the spy is, but either way, it's it's a good tactic to let them think that they figured out who the spy is when mm-hmm. they actually have got it wrong. It's like, oh, we know who that is. It's like, no, 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 you're wrong. Oh, no, you do not. But Sokozu being a Scarron spy is an odd thing, but then she explains that they promised to free my people from their servitude. And it's like, oh, you naive fool. Why would you think they'd keep that promise? Yeah, and Scorpius is like, they will not. And you have ruined something unique. And that's when we're like, aw, Scorpius did care. Up until the point he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Up until the point he realized that uh, that she was betraying him. But he, he apparently he never had something 
like no. this with anybody. But now that she has betrayed him, he has no love for her. Oh, as, no. <laughs> as soon as she betrays him and outlives her usefulness, he's like, right, that's it. No second chances. There might have things I might have forgiven you for, but not this. Yeah. And so we actually cut away Mm -hmm. and we cut to Crichton getting Aaron into the fountain. And he's actually, he's borrowed Dargo's knife, which actually he used in the fight at one point to stab a Scarron in the back. It was pretty cool. And so he gets Aaron in the fountain. He stabbed a Scarron with it. So, you know, it's sterile. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but he says, um, okay, here you go. And he gives her the knife. He's like, great. I'm going to cut it out. It's like, no, it's for the, it's for your clothes and for the cord. He's like, oh, right. Okay. (laughs) Poor Aaron. She's in a lot of distress. She knows exactly how to field strip a rifle and kill a Scarron, but this is new to her. (laughs) And so, and he lowers kind of her a bit into the water and like cuts some of the fabric. We just hear... Mm-hmm. And then Crichton then turns around and says, "Okay, do we have a plan?" And Brock is there actually, like grabbing a bunch of guns, mm-hmm. and he's like walks up to the fountain and is like, uh, "No, we can't withstand another assault." And he looks at them a bit like, "What is going on?" <laughs> What the hell are these people doing? And then he like takes another gun and like oh, walks away. Braka, Braka, this is the miracle of childbirth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't need to see this. <laughs> off. But Dargo agrees. They can't withstand another assault. So they have to go on the offensive. And Scorpius comes back out. And Brock asks him where Sokozu is. She's gone to fulfill her last mission. For the, for the Scarens. Like, oh, she was a spy. Oh. And Brock has this, huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the little bit in the back of his head is like, I'm finally back in the picture. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the face he has, but I wish it was. Yeah. (laughs) God, I wish it was. And so there's more firing, more shooting, and the battle kind of starts up again, and Crichton's like, okay, Aaron, push, push. And she's like, oh. And she's like, no, no, Stark, yelling for Stark. Yeah, Stark's like, what is it? Do do you need me to take away the pain? He's like, no, marry us. He's like, now? Honey, I I, I think we should just go to Vegas tomorrow and just, no, now. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, marry us now. <laughs> and then Rigel floats over, he's like, hold on. And he throws up the ring. Yeah. John's mother's ring that he had in his stomach the entire time from digging them up from the sand. Yeah, because the ring survived all that. Yeah. What gets me is he didn't do this last time they tried to get married. <laughs> when he was doing the ceremony. <laughs> Like, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to... Maybe you would have, actually, maybe you would have done, but they got interrupted by the grappling hooks. That is fair. It's like, at the very end, I pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> Here's the... <laughs> yeah. uh, here, uh, I'm the ring bearer as well. Now, do, who has the rings? Me. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I gotta stick a finger in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rigel is disgusting. And... <laughs> I, I was paying very close attention, but John eventually dips it into the water for a second. To clean like, it off, yeah. Please clean that thing. And so, and then Stark's like, okay, okay, and starts saying some words. And I think it's uh, Chiana, who's a, or Dargo, one of them, says, you idiot, that's a, that's a Sheyang prayer for the dead. And Aaron just looks at him, angry, slaps him in the face. And he's like, ha, huh, uh, okay, and more words, more... Uh, alien words and it's like no that's a delvian puberty right and it's like ah, uh, duh. slap again slap again <laughs> he's like okay 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 this time he's like okay do you love each other 
Yes! Enough to be married forever. Yes! Then I pronounce you married. Congratulations. Then you are. Yeah. And they put the ring on Aaron's finger and they smile and kiss. And then it's like, right, back to shooting and pushing. (laughs) And I love the music that plays over this, by the way. It's very, like, triumphant, even though Mm. there's, like, Mm. lasers coming in all directions and everybody's in mortal danger. And it, okay, so I said this last time, there were some emotional moments that got me, you know, pretty good in this part of of Peacekeeper Wars. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, like, I have it noted down at what point I started welling up and actually because I'm thinking retroactively I'm thinking like how far everybody has come mm-hmm. when Aaron and John get married I was like mm. <laughs> like I was welling up a little bit because I was you know thinking back on how far they've all come together and <laughs> I like that this thing is like, it's kind of arbitrary because it's like, look, do you love each other enough? It's like, yes, then you're married, <laughs> you know, but it's a very sweet moment in the midst of all this chaos. And I was like, Aww. tiny little ray of light in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. They go back to fighting and shooting. Uh, Rigel gets hit by some debris from one of the shots. Yeah. And somebody, I think it's Stark checks. Yes. Stark's like, Rigel! Ah! And it's like, he's still alive! And I'm going, shit. <laughs> but I like the dog. It's like, okay, throws him a bag. It's like, put him in this. And like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> Rigel in the bag. Because that's the easiest way to carry him around. I get it. <laughs> we don't need to use the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jothy then comms Dargo says I can't make it to you it's like alright just wait for us we're coming out yeah we're coming out I have a plan for a distraction and now we cut back to John and Aaron and Aaron is pushing she's pushing very hard and it's like come on baby come on do it and the camera goes down below the waterline mm-hmm. and we just see like uh, Aaron's leg you know she's still like dressed I, like he cut a hole in the front but we're seeing her from the side it, it's very Nicely framed, there's nothing to see. No, uh, but then we see like some uh, fluid kind of come out in like a bubble. A bit of coloration that mixes with the water. And then, you know, John's got his arms down there ready. And then we hear, and we hear a crying John lifts up from the water, cuts the umbilical cord and holds their child. Their son. Their son. It's a boy, holds in in his arms and... Mm -hmm looks at Aaron and is like you did it we did it we have a son and this is when I actually started to break down <laughs> that makes entire sense <laughs> yeah. that is that's like it's this whole moment of like we finally made it work this culmination of everything mm-hmm. over the past you know four years of their lives and like this is the ultimate like expression of that for them at least yeah you like know. the marriage and then the child all in one go and like you know for for the two of them that is you know what they've been working towards you know just now recently Mm -hmm. and yeah that got me i was like yeah they're doing it they're they're making a family the way they wanted to Mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of this battle because there's no other time and so uh erin then says to john's like she asked can you can you do me a favor name it can you get us out of here done and now oh it's time it's like the the music stops being like tense and it's like big and heroic yeah in slight slow-mo as john like walks there's, out there's like, first there's a large explosion at the gate yeah that blasts a few chariots back and then john walks out first through the smoke you know dual wielding pistols dargo scorpions and the rest coming behind him it's big heroic music as they go on the offensive and you know shooting down all the scarons and i'm like my notes just say big 
damn heroes. Yes, they just charge out, shooting Scarons and Charons as they charge in. And I like that Aaron is there, having the baby in a sling, but still one-handing a pulse pistol. Like, Aaron, combat mom. Yeah, exactly. And so they... They're able to push back the Scaron forces. Mm-hmm. And we actually see that at one point, Grunschlik has been able to get away. And he's crawling along the floor and goes underneath a part of like a collapsed structure yeah. and sees Sokozu there. I think her arm is like... Because her arm is up in a weird angle. So if, if I didn't know any better, Scorpius probably nailed that to the wall or something. Yeah, she's not good. And she's kind of left there. And actually... That's the last we ever see of Sokozu. Yep. <laughs> Traitor to the end, I guess. Bye. Bye-bye, Sokozu. <laughs> like, with all the revelations about like her switching to Scorpius' side then betraying him to the Scarens, I don't feel so bad about her leaving in this way. No, I think I think it's a it's a good uh, point for the character that we see. It's like, oh, she's stuck. She's still there and she's stuck there. Okay. Well. Yeah, and I don't think this place is going to get any nicer over time. No. And so the the gang is advancing through the streets, and they get to more destroyed ruins, going with the Eidolons behind them. And Targo says to John, it's like, so how was your honeymoon? Well, the brochure was better. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And then Aaron's like, wait, it's too quiet. There are too many boot prints here, and they're too fresh. Yeah. And, of course, suddenly, sniper! Pew! More oh, Scarrows and Charids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see in the earlier scene, actually, that Akna pulled their forces back and set up a new ambush. So they just, like, into the buildings! Everybody runs into the buildings. And then Akna's like, right, supply the troops with missiles! And, like, okay, if we get hit by any of those missiles, we're toast. <laughs> it's like, oh, well... Lovely. And then there's Braka is like, okay, I'm going to take some peacekeepers across the building, across the street, set up some crossfire. Yeah, okay, cover me. I'll do it. I'm the best. Ah, my knee, my leg. I love that he just gets out of the door in two steps, gets shot in the leg, and Scorpius just drags him in. And I have in my notes, Daddy got you, Braka. Yeah, he's like, but Scorpius is just kind of rolling his eyes a bit like, and grabs him. He just grabs him, tosses him behind him, just turns fire. You keep trying. <laughs> You'll get it someday, Braca. You'll get it someday, but not in this series. And then we're like, okay, how are we going to get you know across the street? And Jothy comes on the comms. Is like, I'm here. It's like, where are you? Closer than you think. And <laughs> ship uncloaks. And Dark's like, okay, everybody get back. Everybody take cover. And then pew, 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 like shoots down the street, blowing up all the Scarens. Aerial support. Nice. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm a bit late. I picked up some passengers on the way. Uh, a bunch of Eidolons and Aranti in there. Yeah. And he's like, okay, dog is like, all right, get out of here. Get them to safety. And he has a brief goodbye to uh, Dargo. Hey, stay safe. So you too. And then he actually says, actually, Dargo says, I'm proud of you, son. Mm. I'm like, that's a big deal for, for the two of them. Yeah, it actually is a good point. Because that's... Not something we would have said when they saw each other recently. No, no, no. And so Crichton and Aaron share a kiss. Aaron go- rejoins the others and to wait for Crichton's signal to move out. Mm-hmm. And once all the fighting stops, then the child, the baby starts crying. Yeah, and I like that Aaron's like, you start crying now? <laughs> it's like, Kid is also definitely a son. What? Kid is definitely a son. Oh, uh, not a son. Soon, yeah, Aaron got it. Yeah, yeah it was supposed to be your last name. <laughs> and so they move out because uh, they they think the coast is clear but there's a sniper and it shoots at them and they're like get down as they're out in the open more a few more charids and scarons come in mm-hmm. and they they fight them off and there's one scarum with a large pike 
that Dargo engages. Actually, he pushes Chiana away and then grabs a sword, starts melee fighting him. Yeah, but the, like he he's able to take down Scarron, but the Scarron stabs him in the gut with yeah. the spike. <gasps> okay. And well, he's like, oh, ow, ow. That'll buff out. And then Chiana leaps on the Scarron and eventually they take him down. And yeah. Crichton's like, okay, I'll, I've got you, buddy. I'll, I'll help. But click. then, <laughs> click, Arkner is right behind him and grabs him with a pistol to his head and says, well, at least you die. And there's like a dramatic beat and there's a pulse blast. And of course, Akna has been shot. And we, yeah, we cut to see Aaron holding the baby with a pulse pistol in the other hand, just shot Akna and said, it's a boy, in case you were wondering. Uh, I think Aaron has the best one-liners in this series. Yeah, she does have some very good ones. And so, yeah, Arkna's been taken out, finally. (laughs) Yeah. Which means that the Scarrens are probably actually in a better position (laughs) than they were before. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, no. Whoops. We've removed the incompetent commander. They're going to get somebody who actually knows what they're doing. No. (laughs) But Crichton's like, okay, we've got to go to the meeting point. So Aaron, like, signals to the others. Mm -hmm. All the Eidolons move out, get ready to go. Dargo pulls the spear out of his gut they're like okay let's move and dargo falls to his knees Mm -hmm. and aaron notices rushes over to him and he's like can you make it and he shakes his head and chiana's like no come on hurry up hurry up and aaron's like just kind of shocked doesn't know what to do she she she, i think they share a knowing look her and dargo yeah she gets up walks back to stark and john who are still there chiana comes back and you can see John's face. It's like, what? Oh, what's happening? Yeah, and Dargo's on his knees on the ground, blood coming out of his stomach. Mm-hmm. Red, dark, red blood. Yeah, yeah, not clear. Nope. And Chiana's like, no, no, no. Like, what are you doing? Come on, come on. And he's like, no, no. And he starts coughing up blood. And he's like, someone's got to stay here. Might, might as well be me. No, no, we, we can fix this. Come on, we can fix this. And he's like, no, 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 get to Moya. This isn't going to heal. This can't be fixed. No. And you can see, and John comes up and grabs Shana to pull her away. And like the acting from everybody in this scene is really good. Yeah, but Bren Browder's oh. face. Oh, my God. It's, he looks destroyed. It's so hard. It's hard to look at because it's so convincing. Like, he knows what's going on. And yeah. he is... Like, he's so, he's upset, and, you know, that anguish on his face, mm. while still trying to be determined and, you know, do what he needs to do. And Dargo says to Chiana, like, give me a pulse rifle, give me a pulse rifle. And she she's like, okay, okay. Well, and you can hear, if you listen very carefully, you can hear her say, we'll stay here. She, it's almost like she's like, fine, if you're not going, I'm not going either. It's very faint, but if you pay attention, you can hear it. And Stark comes in, puts Rigel down next to Dargo, and is like, "I can, I can help you. I can take your pain." Dargo is like, "No, pain is good as long the pain means I'm still alive." He's like, "Well, then let me help you to the other side." It's like, <laughs> "This is the other side." I was kind of trying to get back. And Rigel puts his hand on Dargo's arm, looking sad. Mm-hmm. And so Stark takes Rigel and backs off and Chiana's like and then Chiana goes to get the pulse rifles now Crichton walks over and kneels down oh Oh, god he puts his hand on the wound and he looks Dargo in the eye that anguish on his face but like grimacing trying trying to get through it trying not Mm -hmm. to break down and Dargo's like it's gonna get ugly here soon you better get going and John just says you're the closest friend I have (laughs) well you could have done a lot better nowhere in the universe says John so and good. Dargo's like, you got a lot of life to lead, John. Do big things. 
and just the emotion and the faces and how yeah. much it clearly hurts them. And then this is this is possibly my best the best part of this though yeah. is that Dargo's like Chiana, Chiana, and John's like. I'll, no, I'll take care of her. I'll look after her. And it's like, no, 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 go away. I want to talk to Chiana. And they both laugh about it. And it's like, oh no, and God. Have a laugh. And then there's John says, I'm oh. gonna miss you, buddy. Oh. And then, then that that destroyed look on his face returns, and it's even oh. worse. It's uh. like he just he gets up. It's like, and then Chiana comes. He Chiana comes over. She's still like, no, 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 move. I'll be, I'll be okay. He's like, Dargo, don't, don't die, don't die. And he he says like, take take this. Just well, he he also says we all die. Yeah, at some point. Acting with Gigi Ashley as well. Like she is Chiana is just is just heartbroken. Like yeah, she's not holding it together at all. But Dargo says here, take this, take this. And she doesn't want, want it. You... She's like, no, no. He's handing her, her his quarter blade. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no, no. It's like. He says, like, no, I'll, I'll find you. Like, I love you, and I'll find you. John actually has to come over and take the quarter blade and drag Chiana away. Yeah. And then he said, I love this callback. Yes. This is so good. Yes. He's like, the first Scarin you see, you tell him who his daddy is. And then they pull back, and Chiana's screaming, and, oh boy, okay. This is the scene that gets me. I've seen it three times now, and every yeah. time, I don't... I'm not the person that cries, so I do, that barely <laughs> cries, so I don't cry on this, but I can feel it coming up. Well, as we've established, I am a weepy crybaby, so this got me... <laughs> I wish I was. You you are a lucky man. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's just different things affect people differently, mm-hmm. but I am an emotional wreck most of the time <laughs> for, with these sorts of things. Yeah. And it's like... This scene also got me every time, like like you said, we've all, I think we've both watched this now three times. I've, I've seen it three prepare. times at least. And every time, every time it gets me, I'm like, ah. Yeah. And so it's time for them to make a break for the exit. And I like that it's like he, he gets this wound because he saves Chiana. Yeah. And their breakout from that temple was a little bit... It felt a little bit cheap. Yeah, like, everything was going a bit too well. Yeah, it's like, okay, so defending it is hard, but going out of it is just really easy. And it's like, and the price had to be paid. And it was. And so they go to their meeting place, leave Dargo behind to mm-hmm. cover their escape. And yeah. God, that's such a, that was such a heavy moment, because, you know... It's a gut wrencher. That's what it is. I mean, no pun intended, but yeah, it is. <laughs> and again, just reiterate props to the acting in that scene, which was, it was primarily Anthony Simcoe, Gigi Edgley, and Ben Browder. Yeah, just doing an amazing job of really selling that. Mm-hmm. And, All right, so but the show must go on, and go on it does because we get a con from Pilot saying that they're ready, Moya's ready, and is ascending to the surface, full power. We're only going to get one chance to pick you up. And so they get up to the bridge or the the ledge where they were before. We see Moya come up from out of the water and it is... You want to talk about CG shots that aged well? (laughs) Holy crap, did this one age well. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's just gorgeous. Just breaching and then flying up through the atmosphere. And so they get up on the... uh, There's like a little little ledge and they stand up on it. And Crane's like, right, okay, everybody get ready to jump. It's like, Mm -hmm. what? Jump? Yeah, it's... It's safer if it picks us up from the air instead of scooping it uh, with other stuff or just or, or getting the, the chance that you get hit on the side of the uh, yeah. w- uh, docking web and just get shing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Rigel says to Ares, like, give me the baby. I'll be hovering. It'll be safer. Yeah, and the first response is no, and then she looks over at John and is like, yeah, baby, it'll be safer with me. And so she hands the baby to Rigel, puts the sling over his back, and mm. Rigel, you know, to his credit, is very gentle with the baby, you know. Mm. It says, right, okay, I trust you with this. So they're standing up on this balcony again, ready to drop. We cut back to Dargo, who's got a pulse rifle in each hand, mm-hmm. sat on the floor. There are Scarans coming in. They're, they're getting ready to find. He's like, I'm your daddy. Oh, daddy! Yeah, he starts shooting whole bunches of them, and we cut back to the other to the group, and there's just like an explosion in the back. We're like, all right, let's get ready to go. Which is that explosion is probably Darko. We see, yeah, we see Dargo's last stand. Like he's mm-hmm. holding them off as long as he can to let the others get away. We don't see his last breath, but we see his last stand. Exactly. And um, one hell of a last stand it is. I just love the callback of "I'm your daddy." Ah, yeah. Which is, yeah, of course, calling back to season three. And oh boy, okay, so. Now the Moya comes flying up towards them, and we actually see the docking web, which I don't know if we've seen before. No, that's the funny thing, because yeah. I was like, oh, so that's what the docking web looks like. I always thought it was a tractor beam. That's what I thought as well, but no, it's like a physical, it's basically a really big net. Yeah, it's like it's like on a, a vine, or I guess uh, an artery or something, and it's just a yeah. large net that folds out. It's like, first it's just a ball, and then just whoop. Almost like an upside umbrella. Kind of like that. Uh, the sort of organic quality. Maybe think of those like, you know those like uh, vampire octopus? Like the the ones that live in the deep sea and have like the, the webbing between their tentacles. I haven't seen them recently, but I'll believe you that they look like that. <laughs> and But so yeah, Moya flies up, unfurls this, and they're like, okay, ready? And Rigel start, just goes out and hovers over the air edge. Three, two, one, and they jump into the docking web. Moya flies past, grabs them, and off they go. Yeah, back up into space. Space is crowded, it turns out. Yeah, they fly through actually another CG shot that's aged pretty well. Mm-hmm. Moya is like weaving between, like, there's peacekeeper ships, Scarron ships, huge battles going on. Mm hmm. There's a few fighters following Moya, shooting at her. And we, uh, they come to make sure, like, Jothy is safe, and like, yeah, Jothy's okay. They can't get to them, though. They're on opposite sides of the battlefield. Uh, also, Chiana is still distraught, you know, over the loss of Dargo. Also, uh, a bit of a lighter moment when they get on board. Rigel hands the baby back to Aaron and says, I don't care what you say, he's got my nose. <laughs> no, he has a nose, Rigel. You have two holes in the front of your face. I mean, it's obviously a joke. I you know, know. But... <laughs> But yeah, so Chiana is still very distraught about the loss of Dargo. And Aaron tells her, like, look, he wants you to live on. You need to keep your wits about you. And so Crichton and Scorpia are heading up to command. And Scorpia's like, three Eidolons are not going to do anything. You shut up. Now is not the time. And then they round the corner into command. And John just stops. And we pull back and we see there's a bunch of extra equipment. Yeah. There's like uh, tanks on either side of the room with mm-hmm. you know electrical equipment around them, like blue on the inside. In the center of command, there is an apparatus hanging from the ceiling that's mm-hmm. a tube that has like metal fins around the side and like claw-shaped things at the bottom. And John seems to recognize this and he says, how did this all get here? As the pilot says, well, the DRDs build it to your specifications. It's like, it's operational? It's like... Yeah, as far as I can tell, yes, Commander. What 
make you change your mind? Not what, but who? Was his talk with Aaron. Yeah, and at this point, Aaron and the rest are up at command with them. And John looks over at her. And it's the wor- I mean, it's the wormhole weapon system. And Pilot was convinced by Aaron to build it because they had no other choice. It was the lesser of the two evils they've been presented with. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, what, what, it's when Aaron said, look, we all want peace. We all want the same thing. And John is no exception to that. And if he thinks we need this for that, I trust him with that. And so Pilot says they can't run. Moya's too damaged to starburst. Mm-hmm. Then they come to Jothy's ship again and cry and say, okay, cut loose, get out of here, get the Eidolons to safety. And Jothy asks, is, like, is everybody okay? And John says, look, it's a little crazy in here. We don't have time for a roll call. Just go. You need to get away as far away from this battle as you possibly can. At this point, Chiana, like, she's carrying the call to play. She gets up on one of the tables in command, screams holds it up in the air and stabs it into the table she grabs Crichton, like kneeling down the floor it's like kill them kill them all if, and if you can kill them slowly do it yeah and rigel says control yourself back off and she, she le- leaps at him and it's like dargo's dead you think i really care what i do to you and i like i love that rigel says yes and this does get shiana to back down it's like because these two have been the thieves together yeah, and Rigel yeah. knows. Rigel knows damn well that Chiana has a heart. He might not have one. That's that's debatable, <laughs> but she definitely does, and that's why he's like he knows that he that she would never hurt him because she cares too much. And but but this is the moment where then we see Pilot, and it's like Cardago is dead. He's shocked, you know. And there's some silence over the just over the scene, and it suddenly becomes very somber. Mm-hmm. As well. And Aaron says, and I love that the voice breaks again. Yes, yes, pilot. He died defending us. And so Aaron and John are now close together. And Aaron's like, "Is there another way?" And John's like, "I, I don't see one." But John's like, I, "He doesn't really want to use it." No, he really doesn't. I think he says earlier also is like, "This is what you wanted, right?" Aaron asks him, like, "Not really. Not then." Not ever, really. It's like, but that's what I thought I had to do, and I'm not sure anymore. And yeah, I don't see another way out. And Aaron says to him, "It's like, really, is it worse than Dargo dying? Is it worse than all of this? Is it worse than our son being killed? Is it worse than living in war?" And he's like, look, just looking down, like, not sure. And mm-hmm. then he walks over to the device, and so the way it works is the control bit. There's a tube, and that lowers down over his head. Yeah, and you can you can see out of it. It's kind of transparent. It's, yeah, it's like plastic steel or transparent steel. If we're going Star Wars, uh. yeah. And uh, he there are the little claw hooks thing on the bottom, and he grabs two of them and like pulls them in to kind of activate it. And he looks over at Scorpius and says, "You get over here." And Scorpius comes right in front of him. It's like closer. Yeah, the shot is from john's point of view of scorpius on the other side like lit entirely in blue light in close mm-hmm. up and john says you want to see it the thing you've been chasing me all over the, the universe for torturing me my friends my wife you want to see it the wormhole weapon yes that's not good enough beg i beg you say please please pretty please pretty please with the cherry on with the top. cherry on top happy birthday now get out of my sight Oh, oh it's so good it's so good so good that's also though one of the things we had not foreshadowed but like that was in one of the voiceovers yeah. 
that we saw in the previous parts of um, we've heard that one before yeah but that's so good like and when he says like with a cherry on top scorpius is like just one word behind john like he's like immediately repeating he doesn't even wait for john to finish the sentence before he starts talking and that's the thing like scorpius has no real ego he's like i will do whatever you want me to do to see this like he has no problem begging saying pretty please with a cherry on top yeah just dancing if he has to he probably could have got him to do more stuff (laughs) yeah actually but no time for that yeah and so it's like right time to do it and then the tube uh, that's over john's head fills up with light Mm -hmm. like blue electrical light pulsing up and down and the two tanks on either side of command do the same thing and it glows and we we actually cut into a close-up of john's eye which has like a a glowing ring around the center of it purple ring then pilot's chamber starts filling up with with starburst energy yeah it's the same shot we've seen before Mm -hmm. and it goes up and then we go outside we see moya looks like moya's it looks like moya is starbursting Mm -hmm. but what happens is the energy curls around moya and shoots out from the front and just a very tiny ball in the distance and then suddenly there's a black there's like a little white ring around a black spot all the way in the distance and john's like merry christmas and then he like lifts the thing back up off his head and scorpius is like that it's like yeah that's the wormhole weapon is this some kind of joke cosmic keep watching blinking you'll miss it and we see like they're looking out through the view screen and we can see, you know, the planet underneath them, the the ships and everything being rocked by explosions. But then the um, the wormhole or whatever weapon, it is that we see, yeah, it turns from blue to red and gets slightly, it gets bigger. That like there we go, baby's gonna grow. And it's like, what is this? And like, uh, the basically the the wormhole, it's a giant ring of fire around a black hole, is what it looks like. It's still tiny. And John says, "Hey, pilot." Are the comms open? Time for a birth announcement. Hey, em- Emperor Sleestack, how does it look like from the Death Star? <laughs> uh, can I get a huzzah from the Grand Peacekeeper, bitch? If you look out of your window right now. <laughs> and like we cut to Starleek and Grazer. Mm-hmm. And like one of the Scarron says, like, do you wish to respond, sir? And Starleek's like, yes, increase firepower. Uh, Mom? Asks uh, Grazer's subcommanders, like, ignore that hill. Continue firing on all guns. Oh, yeah, and then hit us in reverse, and they both uh, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they keep firing, and and then the wormhole, or the, the wormhole weapon is growing and growing. And John's like, huh, not even a response. Amazing, nobody has anything to say. And they're, like, uh, it's pulling back, and like, we can't reverse, we're getting stuck here. And it's like, uh, what, what's happening? And John says, like, okay, here's the, here's the rules. Find a penny, pick it up, double it. Now you have two pennies, double it again. Double it 27 more times, and you've got a million dollars in the IRS all over your ass. It's like, round and round, it goes where it stops, nobody knows, but it all adds up. Exponential growth is a freaking cosmic monster. Yeah, it's going to go bigger and bigger it might swallow the whole galaxy well there's there's a great bit because what happens is at one point like rigel says like what have you done Crichton? it gets bigger and it's starting to eat up the planet it, now it's it, heck it's starting to take over the like it, you can't it's some it, it happens pretty quickly because the ring of fire around it is pretty big at some point you don't see the rest of the stars anymore it's just the wormhole and it's ring of fire around it and you can see it taking up chunks of the planet underneath it yeah it's just ripping apart the planet 
Like, well, Dargo's not getting a funeral. On the other hand, biggest funeral we ever had. Uh, we've ever had, so. Mm. And ships start being pulled into it, exploding under the pressure. It's like, what have you done, says Rigel. And John just, what, what have I done? What if I... You people kept asking me. It's like, what did you ask me to do, Sparky? Oh, John, build a wormhole weapon. We want peace. John, we want peace. You have to build the wormhole weapon. John, really, you need. we need that wormhole weapon to have peace. How many times did you say that, Sparky? It's like, Pip, wormhole, peace, peace, wormhole. And how about you, looking at Scorpius, like, Mr. Pretty Please with a cherry on top. Like, everybody's been asking it. Dargo asks it at some point in the in Peacekeeper yeah. Wars. Aaron at least asks, well, she's against it, but she also asks the questions if he could. Rigel does it, Scorpius has done it, Stalik has done it, Grazer has done it. Pretty much everybody has been talking about this great, fantastic wormhole weapon. As he's talked to all these, all the people, like, shouted at them, he goes over to Eren, and he just lowers his hand and is like, I'm sorry, this is not what I wanted to do. And she, I love that Eren responds, you do what you have to do. She's behind him 100%. Doesn't matter where it takes her. And all this time, of course, the, the wormhole weapon is growing and growing and mm-hmm. pulling in more things. A gigantic ring of fire. Yeah, and Chiana asks, can you stop it? It's like, I don't know. Might swallow the whole galaxy. I'm like, bah, 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 what? It's like a swirling headstone that marks the place where we all used to live and die and slaughter the innocent. Mm-hmm. Crap. God. And... Scorpius says, this is madness. And John's like, four years on and now you're getting it? <laughs> and then Starleek and Grazer actually both kind of over the comms saying, you will not go through with this. And, and John angrily says, I already have. And like, no, like, inc- like reverse. Why are we not moving? It's like, we are. It's just not working. We can't get out of here. Yeah. So then Crichton says, like, listen, wormhole weapons do not make peace. Wormhole weapons don't even make war. They make total annihilation. People make peace. Mm-hmm. And they say, you're bluffing. You're not going to go through with this. You will save, you are weak. You will save the female and your offspring. And Aaron steps forward and says, our child will be raised in peace. And John, amen. Okay, here's, here's the deal. Wormhole doubles two more times. Moya goes first. You hear that, you bastards? Double or nothing. Yeah. 20 seconds later, you you follow. And so, the, by the way, this whole time, once the wormhole weapon has been growing, everyone has been lit by this orange light from outside. Yeah. It adds to, like, the apocalyptic feeling of this whole thing. The thing is, when you see that thing on screen, it's a hell portal. Yeah, That's, yeah. I have that in my notes, a, por- a hell portal. It's like this giant black sphere and just burning fire around it swirling like it's a drain sucking everything into it it's like the eye of sauron yeah <laughs> you know, basically way it is and it, and we again it taking up a huge amount of the sky eating the planet yeah the planet is gone at this point there's only a few ships left and the only thing other than those three ships the decimator the command carrier and moya is this wormhole yeah there's nothing else no stars nothing to see and after john has said double or nothing Rigel looks and is like, well, if it's the biggest black hole ever made, then it's a death worthy of a dominar. And then we cut into, uh, we see actually Grazer stroking her pregnant belly. Mm -hmm. And it pans up to her face and it's like, and we actually see, you know, shots of the other peacekeepers. And she says, for the sake of our children, we will agree to a settlement. 
And then we cut to Starleek, and he's like, and Stark's like, uh, may the spirit of peace descend on Starleek. May the spirit of peace peace. descend on Starleek. And Janice says, hey, say something for me as well. Say something for me, I don't know the words. And then he's like, agreed, peace. And like, John's like, okay. Starts running back to the machine. Stop this thing. And he's like, right. And goes back in. It's like, a real peace. Eidolons participate. He's like, agreed, agreed. Yes, stop it. Okay. And so then the machine fires up again. And this time we see a shot from John's point of view of Einstein surrounded by blue light. Reaching out his hand to John's head. And there's a flash. John yells. The wormhole like shoots out another burst of energy. The wormhole dissipates and is gone. Yeah, and there's just three ships floating there in the void. Well, in space, luckily. Well, no planet anymore. So. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But there are stars, so that's good. That's good. Didn't get that far. And then John like collapses down out of the machine. There are sparks flying everywhere on Moyer, and he just falls down onto the ground. And Aaron just goes towards him like, and Claudia Black. Oh, yeah. So good, because she gives the most heart-wrenching cry for help. It's like, somebody help him! Somebody help me! This is, like, the most, I think, anguished we've ever seen Aaron. Yes. Never before has she been this hurt. Well, like, this, this like, helpless almost. Like, yelling mm. for help. Normally she's stoic and, like, you know, presses it down, you know? Yeah. This she's letting it all out. Like, help me, for God's sake, somebody help him! And screaming it. and It's, it's worth looking this scene up, because we can... There's no way we could possibly do it justice. Yeah. Yeah, and we then sort of pull back as everyone goes over to john yeah and we see that john is just lying there eyes open comatose on the floor and then the next scenes we see so the next scenes we see are actually the shots of moya from the opening of peacekeeper wars yeah we end where we began and it pans across it's the same panning shot moya is in bad shape and we see john on the bed lying there staring at the ceiling with his eyes open not moving uh, obviously, Aaron is distressed. We also see, actually, in Moya's uh, maintenance bay, there's a mm-hmm. table set up. Yep. And there's the Eidolon behind it, you know, uh, the High Priestess glowing purple. On either side, we have uh, Grazer and Starleek. Mm-hmm. And they come forward. There's a book open. There are seals. They press down. We've seen these the seals agreement. before. Yeah. And they've got their guards standing around them. And Scorpius is there and gives a look over at Grazer like, hmm. Scorpius, like, doesn't seem smug. He seems legit happy. Yeah. The, he, he basically got what he wanted. He, the wormhole weapon to achieve peace through conflict. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that I guess that's true. That's exactly what he wanted. And they sign the settlement and the Eidolons are there to facilitate this peace agreement and mm-hmm. and we cut back to John in the bed. Yeah, still comatose, just eyes open, scratching on his face. And Stark actually comes to visit him. And Stark says, Every time we meet I leave our encounters a changed person. This time is no different. I've found my own internal peace. And he takes his mask off. And underneath where there would normally be light, there is no light. It's just a scarred face. Very badly scarred. I think we've seen it once or twice before, that face, without the light. But it's not glowing anymore, and Stark nope. says he's found his peace. And he gives Crichton the mask, puts his, ha- get, puts his hand on it, and says, Remember me, Crichton. Which is a parallel. That's, that's what he did 
when he left in season three, mm-hmm. and he gave the mask to Crichton, the other Crichton, he leaves that behind as kind of a symbol. So, yeah. It's not entirely f- certain what he meant with inner peace. It either means that he's let go of all the lives he still had in his head, or he's found a way to make peace with that and he doesn't need the mask anymore. Yeah, something along those lines. And then he walks off, and we actually now have a scene with Chiana and Jothi. And, of course, Chiano's been crying very heavily, and Jothi is staring off into the distance, like, we assume, you know, just having heard about, been told how Dargo died. That Dargo was dead. And he says, you know, teary-eyed, like, did he suffer? And Chiano just goes, they suffered? Are you kidding me? And he turns around, like, you going to Hyneria still? And she's like, yeah. Listen, he wanted you to have this, and he, she takes the quarter blade. And she offers it to him, and he just looks at it. He can't really, he he can't really accept it at the moment. He, you know, he's having a hard time taking it from her. It's too early for that, I think. And now we have one last scene with Harvey. Yeah, because we go back to John lying there, and we flash into his mind. Oh God, the, oh, you drama queen! It's the end of two thousand and one, a space odyssey. Yes. Yes, it's exactly that. I have never seen this movie, and I saw this, and I was like, "Oh God, damn it!" Oh, Why? you should you should watch it. It's a, it's a great film, but like, so what happens is he's in like a white ornate hotel room, mm-hmm. like suite bedroom, and John is standing there in his spacesuit, his black spacesuit. Yeah, and Harvey's in a bed in a white version of his uh, of Scorpius's, you know, coolant suit. It looks like it's decayed, like old. Like his yeah, skin, yeah, almost like a skin that's discolored and wrinkled, and he's wearing white robes, and he's like, I, you know, I I toyed with slim pickings on the bomb, yeah, but this seemed more appropriate, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, what I love in another little nod to two thousand and one is we never see John move. No, he stands he... there, and we cut to a close-up of Harvey and John is standing next to the bed. Yeah, he's, he, we never see him move. He's just standing there, face blank. And then we cut back out, you know, we pull back, cut back to a wide shot and John is standing somewhere else, mm-hmm. which is true to how that scene is shot in 2001 in that uh, Dave never actually moved, like, the same thing happens. Nice. It's different cuts with him being in different places. And John doesn't say anything. No. Nope. And Harvey basically says, like, uh, we did it. I, I accomplished our goals and his basic his termination program has started because yeah because the wormhole knowledge is gone there's nothing more to find yeah einstein took it out of his head and it's like soon nothing will be left of me but a pleasant remembrance that's having a high opinion of yourself yeah. Harvey, but okay <laughs> and then we actually see like from harvey's point of view john's at the end of the bed with a black obelisk <laughs> behind him <laughs> Like, he reaches out with with the hand shaking, pointing, reaching towards John. It's like, thanks for your memories. And then we cut back out. And Harvey yeah. is gone. No more Harvey. And so now Aaron has sat down next to Crichton. And she's got the baby with her, of course. Mm-hmm. And so she says to him, you know, still comatose, but saying, it took almost losing this child to fully understand motherhood. And I love it now. But, you know, as wonderful as this is, I will not accept this as a trade-off for losing you. It's basically the speed, the the exact same lines we heard at the very start of Peacekeeper Wars, which yeah, he talks yeah, yeah. about, like, there's peace, no more fighting, you did it, but I will not accept losing you as a trade-off. Basically, like, you get up. <laughs> yeah. 
And so she takes the baby, takes their son, and lies him down next to John on the bed. Mm-hmm. And goes and stands at the door. And just looks at him, still devastated. But then Crichton stirs a little bit, rolls over, and is like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I love that instead of, like, pure joy or just being happy, that she's like, she just... Puts her hand over her mouth and she's like... <gasps> the best part is, that I this has to... I feel like this was intentional. She puts the hand over her mouth and it's the hand where she's got the wedding ring on it. Yeah, that that was intentional. I, no I love that little wasn't. detail. But she's, you know, obviously overjoyed, but also very emotional, just like... Hmm. She's like overwhelmed with emotion, yes. really. And like John rolls over very slowly, still obviously in pain, and says like, hey... What are you doing here? Sorry, did I scare you? Talking to his son. I was like, oh. And he, like, rolls over, gives gives him a kiss on the forehead. And Aaron's looking on, just overwhelmed. And says, like, hey, hey. And the baby starts making some noises, like, hey, shh, shh. No, 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 no. Crichtons don't cry. Often. Or for very long. <laughs> I love that that little asterisk at the end there. It's like, no, they do cry. Yeah, exactly. It's not that often. It's not like you've got to be tough. Don't cry. No. It's like, no, we don't cry often or for very long. Yeah, it's like you can, you can cry. It's fine. And now it's time for the final scene of Peaceful Worlds. <sighs> and the final scene of Farscape. Oh, and what a scene it is. And so Crichton and Aaron... Crichton now is up and about on his feet. He's back in his regular peacekeeper you know, trench coat. And mm-hmm. so is Aaron. And they take uh, their baby, they take the child, up to the observation room that we know Moya has from way back in like season two or something. Have we ever seen it? Oh, yes, no. It's yeah, the one uh, where Zan does her yeah. like sunbathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Because you can see out into the stars from there. So they take him up there and they're like, he looks at her and he's like, okay, you ready to do this? And it's like, yep. Yeah, because, like, see that? Look out there. All those stars are yours. Except that one. That one's your mother's. And I was like, oh, the callback! Yeah, to the star that he named that was always his focal point. Yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah, because... Yeah, because he said, there's always one star that I put in the middle of my charts that is my guiding, uh, I, my guiding light. I call it Aaron. And that was the other Crichton? Yeah, but Talon, but that's what Crichton had been doing, so that that's yeah. Still so I'm assuming sense. they were both doing that beforehand. Well, the original Crichton was doing that, so they were both doing that. <laughs> you know, it's a weird situation <laughs> we're in sometimes. <laughs> but so then they take the child up to the table at one end with blankets on, put him down, and Aaron says, "Like we wanted to give you a name that means courage." And strength. And at this point, I was like, oh, God. And so, oh. so we have chosen to name you. Oh, God. It has to be that, right? Dargo Sun Crichton. Okay, this got... Only the first time, but this got me as well. Yeah, this definitely got me. And I was like, oh... Of course. Of and, course. And John says, like, we don't know what's in store for you. Little D. Little D. Little D. Little D. <laughs> says, but you'll never walk alone. And God willing, you'll never know war. And then he, like, picks him up and is like, you know, your mother, <laughs> your mother was right. Your mother's always right, Aaron says. Get used to that. And then <laughs> he picks him up, lifts up little D overhead, you know, looking out to the expanse of space and says, this is your playground. 
mm-hmm. and the music swells. We pull back from the top of Moya. We pull back. We see Moya flying through a nebula. We pull back and back as the colors and expansive space. Mm-hmm. The beauty of expansive space and the nebula there. Moya flies away. We fade out and some big dramatic music plays over the end credits. And that's it. That's the end of Farscape. End of Peacekeeper Wars and the end of the show. I find it had to end like... I love that they ended on that. that it's it was like, such a good ending point. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't return to Earth. No, he never... He, he, got back to, he got back to Earth and there was a whole thing about, no, the, my family is here and now he has a child and a wife and this is home. Yeah. And that's where we end. We end on his new home and his new life. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We did it. We got there. <sighs> okay. So. That was really, really good. That was so good. Like, I know we said we don't want to put a rating on it until the end of it. Five out of five, duh. But obviously it's five out of five. Like, even I don't know, even if it had it been worse, I would have still called it a five out of five, because this yeah. is the culmination of it. It's everything comes to the roost. Mm. There's, there's so much that they do so well. The only way, there are some minor problems we talked about, like, I, I wish that Jewel could have had more to do and maybe actually come with them. I, th- I think, let's be honest, I wish Jewel had more to do or I wish they treated Jewel better can be said yeah. for the entire series. It's the one thing I will always bl- I will always hold against Farscape. Yeah, like they had opportunities, but they didn't take them with her. No. But so Dargo's sacrifice, I mean, oh, it, it was weighty and emotional and it was... A price did have to be paid, you know. And it for was all a high one because it's he. He's one of the main characters for this entire series, and he is very beloved. Beloved. He was my favorite character. Yeah, absolutely. Like he was. That, let, let me just take a second to talk about like character. Like that's what Farscape. That's what this show yes. does so well. Yes. Like it's it's great sci-fi. It does you know silly monsters occasionally, but at its heart, what is so great about farscape is the characters yes and 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 peacekeeper wars exemplified that you know and Mm -hmm. really hammered the home that that's why you watch this show yes you watch it for the characters for the arcs that they go through the way they grow the way they interact with each other that's happens to be one of my favorite things about good stories if it if the character if it has a good character you have my attention so this was ideal. I found, like, I can forgive a lot of, like, hokey plots if your yeah. characters are strong enough. If, if, I, if I believe that these people what they're, and what they're going through, you can make the, this stuff as crazy or as out there <laughs> as you want. And that's what Farscape did, because it's a very weird <laughs> science fiction series, let's be honest here. It really is. But to it, and to its credit, it makes you believe in characters, not just human or prosthetic characters, but puppets. Yeah. Rigel and Pilot, you know. You fully believe in them as three-dimensional characters. And after a, after a while, you just don't notice that they're puppets anymore. Because the th- they realize the most important... Because their hand movements are very limited. Both for Rigel and for Pilot, they have very limited movement in their limbs but they focus on the most important thing their faces because that's what the, what they use to express emotions and both are fantastic and yeah so i mean okay peacekeeper was overall was great i really yes. enjoyed it i liked how they managed to take a point where i'm like how are you gonna finish this series from this <laughs> point 
to an ending that I love. I'm like, yes, this is where it needs to end. On Moya, Earth, not important anymore. And I'm I'm so glad they got a chance to end it. Yeah, end it the way they wanted to, or as close to the way they wanted to as they could. Like, but just have a chance, like, okay, we have three hours, we can do this, and it has an end, a satisfying end. Yes, it does. And so let's talk now a bit more about Farscape as a whole. We, we mentioned it a bit a minute ago, but there's a reason I chose this series, or that we chose this series to do a rewatch podcast of. Because I knew that there was some really good stuff in here. Mm. And we <laughs> it, it it was never perfect. There were certainly nope. episodes that were bad. We never did get an episode that was worse than Jeremiah no, Crichton. Jeremiah Thank Crichton God. St- Jeremiah Crichton still <laughs> sits at the bottom of the worst. When I said, hang on, if we're talking about series again, what I said about Jewel, I still find that a worse crime than Jeremiah Crichton. And that's saying something. <laughs> But per episode basis, we never got oh, a yeah, worse no, episode the, than that. <laughs> the worst ep- if you ever ask me, what's the worst episode of Farscape? Like, without missing a beat, I will say Jeremiah Crichton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I remember the first season, you know, it took a bit of time to get going, really. But once they hit their stride, oh, does it get good. Yeah. Oh. I'm trying to think. What would be your favorite episode? Oh, man, my favorite episode. I don't know. I, I kind of want to say... Well, like, this... God, um... I love, like, Won't Get Fooled Again was great. Mm-hmm. That's a good episode. Even, like, uh, John Quixote. Or, actually, I think it might be... It might be Kansas, where they go back in time. Oh, no, I... Th- <sighs> I, don't, I don't know, it's hard. I, it's hard. I thought this was going to be a smaller list for you, because I have two that I need to choose between. And that's The Way We Weren't. Oh, of course, yeah, of course The, the Way, way we, we Weren't, weren't oh, is... God. That was the moment that so just good. floored me. I think yeah. it was season one, even, right? No, it was season two, I think. I can't remember. I'm, we're going to look this up. I'm we're looking look this up. up. <laughs> I, I feel we should at least open this now. Okay. All right. All right. List, List of, of episodes. episodes. Uh, sure it was season two. Ha! Boom! Did it! Ah, yeah. Damn it! Suck it! Yeah, it was the beginning of season two. That's like it's that's very high on my list of favorite episodes. There's only one that might be able to beat it out, and I need to find it now. Uh, also, beyond just like really good dramatic episodes, stuff like Out of Their Minds, where everybody body swaps. Yeah, and and actually Kansas, where they go back in time, which is so much fun. The other episode that's up there is The Choice. Oh God, yes, The Choice is such a good episode. It's I. It's either The Choice or. The way we weren't, and I think yeah, man, I'm gonna have to go with the way we weren't. If if you were, it, both are fantastic. To they together are the two best episodes of Farscape for me. But if you were to put a gun against my head and make me choose, it would be the way we weren't because it's not only Aaron, but it's also Pilot and the the, in, yeah, the way those two are interwoven. It's funny actually; those both of those episodes being Aaron focused episodes. Yeah, like I I know we've talked about this many times before, but like in in general, like watching this series, you you come to appreciate the talent of all the actors involved. Yes, but I think there are like several in particular. Obviously, Ben Browder. And Wayne Pigram, and also for different reasons, you know, Anthony Simcoe being able to switch between like comedy and drama. And, and all Anthony that. Simcoe is—I feel he—if there—if there is a comedy where he's where he stars in, I want to see it because I think yeah. he's he is very good comedy chops. But he's also really good at the drama as well. Oh, definitely. 
but so there's all of that and you know everybody else is really good but i think the one person whose stock was raised hugely from watching this series for us is claudia black yes claudia black is incredible like you you realize when we went into the background of a lot of things like the backwards language and you know mm-hmm. her talking about the choice uh the, that episode you realize how much work she puts into the the, the character yeah and how much she contributed and you know was able to do and yeah it really proves like what a fantastic actress she is mm-hmm. and th- like i said this isn't to minimize anybody else's no achievements, no no, no, no they're no. all really good everybody has done fantastic work on this series but it, it was like it was definitely like a a thing of like we keep bringing up again how much you know claudia black is is doing for this and, and how heart-wrenching and how effective her acting is yeah and oh, man i also let's uh let's talk about bad guys quickly because yes uh what do we have season one we had Chris. now i feel like Chris as a bad guy wasn't super interesting because his most his motivation was revenge i but i i like how incredibly driven it was because in that old black magic you find out how far he's prepared to go he's like snapping yeah. necks of sub commanders like how un- unstable it makes him so that that's more interesting but Kreis got a lot more interesting when he became part of the crew yeah when he starts that arc but then of course oh man i can't believe like in season one we get introduced to scorpius at the end mm-hmm. and can you believe now that like scorpius was supposed to only be for like one episode like really yeah we talked about that we talked I, about I that. I thought that was no, no. I I, I was certain that was uh, Gigi Edgeley's role as Chiana. She's was the guy. Also true for both of them. Yeah, like Scorpius was originally intended as like a, maybe a couple of episodes, basically as a foil to Crace. But mm-hmm. then once they realized what they had, they just took it and run with it. And now we can't imagine Farscape oh, without God. Scorpius. He's one of the most fantastic villains I've seen, and we've He's talked so about this good. several times because there is no ego there. There is yeah. no maniacal laugh. It's just somebody with a purpose that he chases, and no means are off the table. Everything goes according to, as Scorpius is concerned, and that's what makes him evil. It's the only thing that makes him evil. And you know he's fiendishly smart. Like he is. Yes. He is the chess master, and uh, we said many times Scorpius was right about a lot of things. That as well. And he eventually ends up kind of on board Moya, but really he's only ever working towards his own goals. Mm-hmm. And even within the peacekeepers or within the Scarens. It's always what does Scorpius want? And the best part is with Scorpius, we also get Harvey. Yes. And Harvey is so much fun. Oh, he's, I love, because he's, he's very scary when he first appears. Yeah. As he gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But then when the chip gets taken out, that's <laughs> when the fun really begins. Yes. Well, and Harvey, again, was one of those things that they didn't originally intend. But basically it was in Crackers Don't Matter john has a vision of scorpius mm-hmm. and that was technically that was kind of a retcon now of like that was harvey yeah because everybody else was kind of seeing things as well mm-hmm. but basically they realized like wait if we do this we can have scorpius around without needing to have a reason for scorpius to be there yeah and it worked out great we can have john interacting with scorpius all the time without having some reason why scorpius is there and it really gave wayne pigram a lot to do yeah and not and to really exercise his acting ability as well which is great because harvey like in the in the very beginning harvey is scorpius yeah he's basically exactly the same but as, as he's there longer and especially once the chip is removed and it's just what remains of harvey 
he becomes Harvey, like a, com- yeah. a, per- a character <laughs> onto himself. They look the same, but they are very different people. Oh, it's so good. So that's the thing. Like, this is our favorite stuff is all the character work mm. and all of those things. And we had some good plots and drama and intri- like, I think the overarching, several overarching stories that did really well, like uh, Jothi and Dargo and Chiana, yes. that whole thing. I mean, that hits you right in the gut. And also, oh, oh, my favorite thing from season three, well, several things from season three, but John being split into two identical Johns and then running with it for the rest of the yeah. season almost. The <laughs> fact is, like I said, and I think a few people who were listening along with the podcast said as well, so they'll solve this at the end of the episode. No. No, they won't. No. <laughs> they split them up so, so, so they don't have to do hokey stuff with CGI or and, and camera trickery to have, have them... <laughs> both be there but they go in very interesting ways and they they diverge and the john aboard talon gets what he wants he gets the relationship with aaron gets the wormhole knowledge and then he dies yeah and it hits and the damage it does like the emotional pain it causes aaron is immense like they treat that death with the appropriate amount of weight as you would expect Yeah, he's a real person not like a clone he is john Crichton. Yeah, and then they have the whole reintegration, you know, trying to get Aaron and the other John back into a relationship. That maybe went on for a bit too long, the will they, won't they? I I didn't mind that too much, actually. Following the fallout of the death of the other John, because that's something that, that hurts you to your core. And the fact that there's this person who wants a relationship with you, who reminds you of the person you lost every single moment. Yeah, I can imagine that taking a lot longer. The moment when afterwards, when when John says that because she didn't tell him about the baby, that he's so angry and he breaks that mm, off. Yeah, that's that... the moment I was again like, oh, now Come I'm mad on. at you again, Farscape. <laughs> now I'm mad at you again. Because that, that is BS. That is BS. They did get there in the end, though. And I, I'm glad we had a number of episodes and Peacekeeper Wars of John and Aaron being a couple and yes. working together. Yes, that was definitely, definitely needed. Man, this was... I don't really know what else to say other than... There was so much to like about Farscape. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Favorite character? Oh, that one's hard. I have an answer for this. I can I I mean I want to actually I want to say Scorpius, really. That's yeah. Yeah. Like I love everybody, but like as a as a character study and like a villain and a breakdown of what a villain is and you know, he's actually, you know, he's he's the hero of his own story. He's got his goal and his motivations. At points, he's more of an antagonist than a villain, but then mm-hmm. he does something evil that reminds you that he's prepared to do anything. Yeah, and it's but it's never to be evil. It's always been no, a clear yeah. goal in mind. It's like, all means are required. The, me, the, the end justifies the means. But that's the only thing that makes him evil. The only time he gets personal is at the end of season two. Yeah. <laughs> because he's, you know, because John's put a big spanner in the works of what scorpy's trying to achieve yeah and he and at that point he has also what he wants yeah john on a table it's like mm. i condemn you to live yes <laughs> and he just leaves him there and that's where we ended season two if mm. i remember rightly so yeah i, th- I think my favorite character is probably scorpius and if i can like go by association harvey as well <laughs> yeah no that's fair yeah, yeah yeah i'll allow that no for me i have to go with dargo Mm, yeah, it's it's, also it's, it's a close race between Aaron and Dargo because I think they both yeah. have these fantastic mm. arcs. But Dargo, what they do with the idea of 
the angry warrior alien. The Klingon, basically. The, yeah, the Klingon. <laughs> yeah. What they turn that into, and they because they grab the bit again. Something we've talked about is that Dargo is angry. His his he can be very angry, but all his emotions are higher. When he is sad, he is bawling his eyes out. When he is happy, he's just. There's nothing that can contain him when he's... He's overjoyed, yeah. Yeah, the, all his emotions are higher, and I love that, that they went with, okay, mm. if he is excessively angry, let's take all his emotions and dial those up and just make him a very emotional person. And the thing is, that that happens over time, because during season one, uh, uh, most of the time, although occasionally it does come up, but he's much more, you know, guarded and angry and mm-hmm. gruff at the beginning, and we see him develop or... You know, reveal these sides to him and i think the first person to really see it was zan because she calls him like his sweet dargo several times mm-hmm. she realizes that there's more depths to him and actually let's talk about zan because we have I wanted like, to talk about her yeah, as well i love i loved zan so much and her sacrifice was really emotional. I'm sad we didn't get to see her one last time. No. I don't know how they would have, you know, integrated her into Peacekeeper Wars. Could just have been like a flashback or a, or a uh, vision or vision or something. She could have been in the nebula at the very end there. It's like her <laughs> her face sort of in no, there. No. Too much? Too no, much? Yeah, too much. Okay, well. You know what? I would have been fine with it. It might have been too much, but it, it definitely would have been too much. Hate- just to have Virginia Hay return, I would have accepted that wholeheartedly. Yeah, but yeah, and and her being the mother to the team and birthing this family that then you know goes on through the rest of the se- season was was great, and, and then ha- then has to go on without her. Yeah, and I do I do miss Zan from a lot of these later episodes. It's like it would have been great to have her around, but mm. the but the way she you know sacrifices herself, it felt earned and it wasn't you know cheap. It was appropriate. Yeah. And so I think, you know, what else is there to say about Farscape? Like, I hope through this podcast we've been able to uh, shed some light on a series that I feel like nowadays at least is not as widely known or held up uh, beyond things like, you know, things. I think something like Firefly is much more well known and lauded in nerd circles and and other things like BSG and, uh, you know, I feel like Farscape gets forgotten about quite often. But it has had its impact because James Gunn has actually said that Mm. his work on Guardians of the Galaxy was heavily inspired. Well, I've heard rumors. Hang on. I I shouldn't say he has said. I haven't read interviews of it. But if you go and watch the first Guardians, well, both films, go and watch Guardians of the Galaxy and try and tell me that it isn't, that Peter Quill isn't just John Crichton (laughs) from like a younger age. Like if Crichton had been abducted when he was 12, you know, or been shot through a wormhole when he was 12. Absolutely, that's exactly what happened. And, and in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Ben Browder has a cameo. Yes, yes, (laughs) he has a cameo. Really cool cameo. No, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> certain that uh, maybe there's an interview out there that you can track down. I haven't looked. I should have before this, <laughs> but it it clearly has because it's the same kind of family coming together and despite their differences, ragtag bunch of misfits. You know. Yeah, ragtag, but and finding each other as a family. Yeah, and like the end of the first Guardians movie, like we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, we're a family. It's like that's very much the kind of arc that the Farscape crew goes on as well. I mean, the 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 first season definitely, but it's it's good to see that the series also ends on that. And so yeah, Farscape has had its effect on sci-fi, but I feel like you know it, it's worth watching. Like there's a lot of very 
there's a lot of really good stuff. There's a few mm. dodgy bits. Skip Jeremiah Crichton. Yeah, you can actually, you know what, you can skip that episode yeah. entirely. There, it has no relation to the plot whatsoever, so I I've, would say skip that one. Any other episode, I'm like, eh, it's not all that strong, but they're they're worth watching, at least for tiny things. Jeremiah Crichton, just skip over it. Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> no, it's not worth it. But I hope that we have, you know, shed a light on uh, what is, to my mind, a great uh, sci-fi series. Mm-hmm. And probably one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite sci-fi shows that I've ever really seen, you know. I mean, that goes for me as well now, but then I have some history <laughs> with it now. Yeah, exactly. I have He's to like, be honest. <laughs> I'm glad I actually, I got to, you know, bring this to you, you know, because I, I was, what I watched it when it was broadcast over here in the UK, but you were, you know, in, entirely new to it. I, I had seen some episodes. I knew, for example, that John at some point was going to be split. Into, I knew that was coming. I knew Harvey was going to get stuck in his head at some point. So there were a few things that I knew were coming from the beginning because I'd seen bits and pieces here and there. But the entire series as a whole, just going through like this, that was a new experience for me. And I, while we're at it, I want to thank you for inviting me because when we started this, (laughs) we barely knew each other. Let's be honest here. We were kind of, you know, we were casual acquaintances online, basically. Yeah, and we'd like... We'd done the podcast together once or twice. Yeah, we did like an episode of Culture Clash or two. Yeah, um, and we uh, we like we floated this idea, and I was like, "This sounds really cool." And then eventually, we were like, "Oh yeah, we should totally do that." In that kind of non-committal way, we, people talk about projects quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I remember you saying on streams like, oh, "Yeah, I do Farscape," and I, me being the type of person who has <laughs> after. Actually, Culture Clash saying, well, I've done a podcast before. I know what I'm doing. It was barely a podcast, and I, don't, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Just saying these things and saying yes. And Why not? Like offering yourself for these kinds of things. It's like, I'm glad I... St- just yeah. said that, and you said, like, yeah, sure, no, this guy I barely know, it'll be fine, I, I can do Why a not? year and a half project with him. He seems legit. I mean, what we did do was, I we definitely, I recorded, I think we recorded, like, four episodes before I started putting them out. Yeah, that's also because we wanted to have a buffer. Well, yeah, we wanted to have a buffer, and I think also, looking back, it was probably a good idea to see if this dynamic was going to work. Mm, no, that's entirely fair. <laughs> and work it did. So. And if you go look, if you go back to the start, you can see that their <laughs> chemistry wasn't there yet. It wasn't I, quite I've there. I've listened to that first episode. Yeah, it, it's definitely... We, we, we improved over time. <laughs> like I said, we barely knew each other. We didn't know how, how this dynamic was going to work. <laughs> and now we do. And yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good thing. Like, it's... It's brought us closer together. <laughs> and now I'm glad that we can go further. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that closer together. <laughs> Not, I, I meant further away from each other. Oh, no, I see. What no, you, no, no. Okay, nope. Anyway, we're, we're rambling now because we're trying to stretch this out because uh, we don't really want this to end because it's been so much fun and really enjoyed doing it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that we're now at the end of this just over a year and a half after we started um and that this is it like this is the last episode we're not doing any more after this um and let me just say thank you so much to everybody who has uh, been listening to this podcast whether you've been listening you know as we release them or you've been binge listening you know (laughs) catching up after we're done i want to say thank you so much to uh everyone who's tuned in it it really means a lot that people want to listen to this and enjoy it and have had a good time with it you always hope that a project you put out like 
that people in well you said enjoy it but also engage with it and yeah we've had we have an engagement over twitter people sometimes commenting and i just want to thank you all for taking this journey with us yeah and it's been it's been a lot of fun and i think you know even if we even if we didn't have that engagement uh it would have been great fun to do it with you red but Mm -hmm. thank you so much to everyone who's really made this uh worthwhile and it's it's made me very happy to see people enjoying it and i hope that uh people will more people will enjoy it in the future because it's going to be available to listen to if you you know if people want to listen to it so still recommend it to your friends but uh yeah. Thank you so much to everyone truly for listening to this. This has been uh this has been a trip. And now it's time for us to sign off, but I'm going to spare you a lot of the usual spiel <laughs> that I normally do <laughs> because it's the end of the po- you don't if you've listened to it this far, you've heard me say it 91 times already. You know, you don't need to hear me say it again. No, 90, 90, 90, 90 times, times already. 90 times. I was just counting. Yes. 90 times. You know where to find us on the web. You know where the the podcast, you know where the Patreon, you know all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is this is not the last you're going to hear from us on various projects. You know, this oh, is a bit no. of Farscape Rewatch. But don't forget, you know, both of us actually do regular streams on Twitch. Mm-hmm. That's twitch.tv slash hats and slash RedNightmare7. Yep. And so, you know, maybe come and hang out for that. But also... We have separate channels, just to be certain. Yeah, like, yeah. Th- those are two channels, not one with a very <laughs> no, long name. Not all one word, no. <laughs> um, and so, but we do... There are some other projects coming up. Red, why don't you uh, talk about that? Yes, I have been uh, prepping... I think since half a year, actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, preparing this, uh, and it's going to go, we're, we're going to get into it in the, from recording a week or two. Uh, I will be starting a West March's Dungeons & Dragons campaign with a group of friends, Ooh. which is, uh, I, I'm not going to explain it in detail here. You, you <laughs> can uh, find that out because we will be, for one, it's going to feature heavy amounts of recaps writing down by the players. So there is going to be a, uh, there is actually, it's already up, a Obsidian Portal page where Ooh. all those are going to be dropped, where you can view them. It's Yeah, so this isn't going to be like a straight up RPG podcast, because no, well, I think we determined, like, remember you asked me about it, and it's like, this is going to be a lot of work, you know. If, if the amount of playing I'm expecting to happen, yeah. if I had to edit all of that, I'd go insane. <laughs> Let me just say, I really enjoyed this podcast. One thing I'm not going to miss is all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i believe you no but if but if you go to uh lost empire of asha dot obsidian portal.com and there will also be the link uh in the, in the in description yeah in the doobly-doo <laughs> you can find the obsidian portal page there where all the recaps will be dropped on and we'll be also be doing a monthly podcast because i i can't get away from the podcast okay <laughs> i just can't stop it yeah so, mo- month- monthly is a better schedule well, yeah okay. i figured it'll be doable so th- that'll be me probably the other gm and a few players just having a chat about what happened and that that other gm is our friend keep yes keep and, 42 who also streams yep. yeah also go check out their channel for more rpg stuff as well yeah but they they will be my code dm uh, dm on this we've been doing a lot of fun prep we'll be doing a podcast once a month to chat up about what happened have a few players on it's like what adventures they had what they're planning on doing next stuff like and that. i should also say that i will be playing a character in this uh, yep. campaign 
be playing a uh, ranger so you may see me pop up occasionally either on i don't know the podcast format or just some recaps something like yeah, that you'll definitely i'm, I'm expecting you to write some <laughs> yes you're expecting everybody to write some yes <laughs> So watch out for Lost Empire of Ashar. It should be really good. I'm really looking forward to it. It, it also has a very sweet art. Uh, yes, art print uh, that a good friend of mine made. I may have designed the logo for it. Yes, <laughs> go check it out. And as for myself, obviously back to more streaming. But what I'm going to be doing more regularly, if you more tabletop role playing games. Uh, is more frequent uh, Enter the Polyhedron streams on my Twitch channel. Mm-hmm. And that's going to maybe take up some of the slack, some of the, the free time that I would have from not doing uh, Farscape. But <laughs> there's also the possibility of some other projects, but those are more in development right now. Yeah. So I'll just say, you know, if you like role-playing games uh, on the weekends, check out uh, my Twitch channel. So there you go. That's us plugging our stuff. And... I will, of course, also be showing up on those because yeah. I was at one of the most recent ones. And the RPGs got us, okay, people? They it's got, got us. us good. We yeah. made enough references to D and D in this bloody podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we'll be up to next. If you want to hear more from us, uh, mm-hmm. don't like check out like you know the website. I'll put you know links to all this stuff on cardboardhats.co.uk. So yeah, that's a that's our plug for all our stuff and. That is it, though. This is it. Time for us to sign off once and for all. Yep. Uh, thank you all again so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. And we will not see you next time because there nope. will not be a next time. And I will simply say thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. This is your playground. Okay, time to pack up. I think oh, I got all man. my stuff. Four seasons, one and a half years. Yeah, it's a long time. What am I going to do with my Sundays? <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, have you got all your stuff together? Yeah, like, yeah, no, I got it all in the box. Oh, wait, sorry, I have. Uh, sorry, I have your stapler in here. Oh no, that's fine. You can keep it. It's okay. No, 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 no. You can have it back. No, no, I insist you keep it. I don't. No, I don't no, need it. No, you just take it back. Come on. I, no, I, no, I you take... feel really bad. No, you... you you take. I don't need I, it. I don't, and I don't want it. I have my own stapler. Well, look, I'm just this, that one's better. I'm just saying you can I'm take it. I'm trying to give you a gift for back. doing this podcast. This like, just stuff. accept just, this uh, gift from me. No, oh, I don't look, want take it. Take that back. No, that's... no. And then <laughs> there we go.